This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 210 with Kelly Heron. Show notes for this episode, including all links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 210. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Before we dive into this episode, I do have to let you know that the content matter is mature and there is some language in here that is definitely not appropriate for younger children. We are going to be talking about Kelly's story of being attacked viciously in a rape attempt in a public bathroom. And some of the conversation around that is obviously not suitable for youth and some of the language as well might not be appropriate for your little ones. So this is a very valuable episode, but please listen in an environment that is appropriate for you and your family. So let's go ahead and get started. Not today, motherfucker, was the battle cry Kelly Heron screamed on a Sunday afternoon when she experienced every runner's worst nightmare, a mid-run assault. Using the skills she recently learned in a self-defense workshop at her work, she fought back against a sex offender who had attacked her in a park bathroom until she trapped him inside and was able to get the police to respond. Her Instagram post showing the frantic GPS lines that tracked the entire violent encounter went viral, inspiring women around the world to fight back, whether it be in an assault or even against someone who's underestimating them in a different kind of way. Kelly has been featured by Women's Running Magazine among the 21 women transforming the world through running. She has partnered with Runner's World Magazine to support survivors through merchandise sales, and she's been a TV guest on shows such as Good Morning America, Inside Edition, and The Doctors. She has used her story to raise thousands of dollars to support survivors and raise awareness about personal safety and self-defense. Kelly still works for her employer, Real Self, 
who offered that self-defense class to her. Real Self is a technology company that empowers women to make smart decisions around cosmetics procedures. She is a keynote speaker on the topic of resilience, and she also now owns her own company, Not Today, through which she promotes personal safety and encourages women to discover, too, that they are badasses in their everyday life. In her free time, she runs with the Wazelle Wole running team in Seattle, and she's working on her coaching certification with Running Evolution. She's also the proud aunt of six-year-old twins. This conversation with Kelly will leave you in goosebumps and tears as you listen to her so eloquently share her story. It will give you a tremendous amount of hope that trauma doesn't have to define you and it can even make you better. What you do with your trauma is up to you, and you have the power to make it into something that can change your trajectory for the better, like Kelly did, because you only you write the endings to your stories. Listening to hear Kelly share the play-by-play of her attack and how she prevented being sexually assaulted, the specific self-defense techniques that she used that anyone should use in an attack, why awareness and perseverance are key in saving yourself from an attacker, how she spent the last year as a fighter, a survivor, and a warrior, not as a victim. What recovery from trauma looks like on a day-to-day basis, and how her recovery from alcoholism aided her assault recovery. This is a really special conversation. I am so grateful for Kelly. She really went deep in this conversation, and she asked, she's like, is it okay if we go this deep? And I said, yes, please do, because the details that she shared will spare someone else. So I encourage you to listen. I encourage you to Apply what you can to your own life, whether you have a background of perhaps being a victim of assault at some point in your life, or please take notes for if you were to ever be put in this situation. I can tell you, learning about Kelly's story changed my trajectory. I hosted a self-defense class at my gym after learning of Kelly's story. I heard about her story right after it happened because it was all over the news here in Seattle. I mean, she made national headlines with her story. And so I um, very soon after hosted a self-defense class at my gym. And I can't tell you how much I think about that class and Kelly when I'm out running now or whenever I'm in some sort of position where I feel like something could get dicey or feel a compromise. So I'm just so inspired by her story. And I know that by her sharing her story and she sharing how she used self-defense to save herself, she will really impact other women and inspire other women to go learn how to protect themselves. So listen to the story, learn from Kelly's examples, learn from what she learned, and then make sure you listen in at the end because I'm going to give you lots of resources to continue this education. So let's go ahead and dive in with Kelly Heron. Kelly Heron, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm really excited and so grateful to have you here today. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here too. So we're all excited, but what we're talking about something pretty intense and pretty heavy. And the timing of this interview is significant because we are talking about an event that happened almost exactly a year ago when you were attacked during a run here in Seattle. So we are both from Seattle. We both live in Seattle. And I heard about this event on the news pretty quickly after it happened and through social media. And we actually are connected through social media to some mutual friends, which has allowed me to stalk you for an entire year now. (laughs) And so I started poking around and asking mutual friends, like what happened and is she okay? And oh my gosh. And because I'm a woman who runs in the dark by myself. And like, so, and this was broad daylight in the middle of a weekend. So Mm -hmm. tell us what happened on that day back in March, 2017 and take us back to the story. Sure. I was training for my first marathon and I was about 10 weeks into training and it was my first 10 mile day. So I switched up my route a little bit and went down to Golden Gardens, which is about four and a half miles from where I live. And it was 
cold and raining sideways and the wind was blowing and this was like the warmest part of the day. Um, <laughs> it was like <laughs> typical Seattle. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I'm going to wait till it hits a high of 38. <laughs> <laughs> so got down to the beach and I remembered and I take pictures on my phone because I like to do posts on Instagram of like things I see on my run. So it's kind of ironic how this all came together. Yeah. And so I was kind of stopping and taking pictures of like just how eerie it was outside, which is so weird to look back on. I ran by a lady with her dog and, you know, as a runner, you probably know it's like take advantage of when you do have an opportunity to use the bathroom because you don't know when you're totally, going to have another chance. Totally. I joke, and I've actually done this in, I know you are friends with Beth Baker, who has running groups in Seattle. Like I've been in her running groups and just been like, hey guys, I'm just going in the bush. Like totally. I don't even wait for bathrooms. So yeah, but you're right. Yeah. I almost did it that day. I was like, but I felt weird about like peeing in someone's yard. I, right. I was, I was just like, <laughs> understandably I was like, so, you know, <laughs> try to be respectful, you know, and I only had a little further to go. So I went down to the end of the beach and I had my headphones in and my ear warmers on. And you're probably familiar with that bathroom. Any beach bathroom is like basically disgusting. Yes. yes. And so this, I kind of am just, familiar with that bathroom because we go to Golden Gardens yeah. frequently with my five-year-old and I'm like, don't touch anything. Just don't yeah. touch anything. It's gross. It's so gross. And, you know, yeah. And then the added element of sand, like on right. top of, you know, <laughs> on top of concrete and steel. So when I got in the bathroom, I kind of did a quick survey of like, which stall is the least disgusting, you know, right. and the first two doors were open. The last door was closed, but kind of just closed by default. There were no feet underneath or anything. So I opted for the first one and realized that I hadn't turned my garment off. So, and that the clock was still ticking. So I was like, Oh, better hurry up. And decided to wash my hands because like you said, that bathroom is so disgusting that you just want to wash any filth off from right. just being in there. The water was ice cold and there was of course no soap. And so I put my hands under the dryer, just looking for that, like just second of relief. Cause it, I was just freezing. And as my hands were under the dryer, I just got this feeling like something's wrong. And I turned around and there's a man standing behind me, like right out of the movies, bad guy, like mm. hood was up over his face. Hoodie was kind of like covering the bottom of his face. And I almost said, and I just looking back on this, is so like, I think this is just such a female instinct. I almost said, Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, like, because you're not expecting, right. You know, you're not expecting this. And I was like, Oh, and then I was like, just instantly, like my brain kind of went through, like, this is a man. This is what appears to be a like crazy man. And then the smell hit me like mm. that just stench, you know, like, he smelled so bad. And so the fear, you know, kicked in and he lunged at me and I was backed into a corner. So he just like lunged at me with both arms and my brain just kind of went like at first I was like, is this happening? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you really can't say enough about the element of surprise in these situations. And then he threw me to the ground and I, and I kind of went from like, is this happening to this isn't going to happen. And just the first thing out of my mouth was not today, mother bleep. <laughs> and it was just my gut reaction. I had taken a self-defense class three weeks 
previous to this. And one of the things we learned was to fight like a savage and to show that you're not afraid. And all I could think about was, I'm going to show him that I'm not afraid of him. I'm going to show him that he should be afraid of me. And now, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I wasn't not afraid. (laughs) Right, right. But just kind of that animal instinct took over. And I was so pissed off. I was so mad. I was down there training for this marathon in the freezing cold rain. And who does this guy think he is coming in here and attacking me? Like I was so angry. I just went ballistic and I just fought with all my might. And he had turned me over on my stomach and was like up on my back, which we know as women, what this you know, we know where this is going basically. So I started throwing my elbows back, which wasn't incredibly effective. He had on like a puffy coat and they Mm. weren't landing. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, you know, like when you are going to put a cat in the bath (laughs) and they just (laughs) go frantic. It was like that. I was just squirming and I was just crawling, like trying to get away. But he was like on top of me and got into the big stall and managed to get my primary concern was not being raped. So I got onto my, I wanted off my stomach. Mm. I squirmed kind of onto my side. And as soon as I saw his face, I just took my claw and just dug it into his eyeballs. And it, I was like, this is really effective. <laughs> he started bleeding and I started to get a little bit more confidence that like maybe I can get out of this. Mm. And I flash back to the self-defense class and we learned hard bones to soft, fleshy places. So I was pretty much all the way pinned down, but I had one free hand. And so I just started like chopping him in the side of the skull with the side of my wrist. Mm-hmm. Is this too violent for your audience? No, I'm sorry. No, no. <laughs> I will put a warning at the beginning. I think it's super important. I think everything you're saying is really, really valuable because this is what we do not do as women. We say, I'm sorry. Can I let you dry your hands? Like yeah. you, that's your instinct is to say, oh, excuse me. Am I in your way? So yeah. I want you to go into this detail because I think this is what people need to hear like if they're ever in the situation. So yeah. And I mean, it it was almost out of body. It was, and I've read, I've studied a lot about fear since then. And what happens in these situations is like your fear takes over, it kind of like puts you in the backseat and it does the driving. So like we instinctively know a lot of this, Mm -hmm. but having that background from the self-defense class gave me actual tools of like how to fight back by just, you know, like hitting up, hitting someone in the face with the bones of your hand and your arm, really effective. And I had actually, I flashed back. I've heard people say like my life flashed before my eyes and I never really understood that. But actually I did flash back to my childhood and I remembered my brother, I had an older brother and he used to sit on top of me and hold me down and like try to fart in my face, you know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) as all good brothers do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I remembered that like helpless feeling of being trapped because he was on top of me and I also remembered, like, if you put up enough fight, like, you can catch a break sometimes, you know, you Mm -hmm. can, like, sometimes get free. And so I just kept at it, and I got small break, and I was able to get from, like, the large stall into the mid, this tiny, I've been back to this bathroom, that I don't know how all of this happened in such a small space, but I got into the middle stall, and I saw the lock on the stall door, and I kicked my foot up. And tried to lock the door. I cannot tell you like 
how the superhuman powers that you get during this. I felt right. like I was like Jason Bourne or something. <laughs> <laughs> or Wonder Woman, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> better reference. But just kind of having that instinct. And we learned in self-defense, if something feels like the right thing to do, do it. Don't second guess yourself. If something feels right, do it. Just like if something feels wrong, listen to that. Like if you get the creeps, you have the creeps. Right. Go with that. Right. So I thought to lock the door and I kicked my foot up and I had so much adrenaline that when I kicked the lock, it actually jammed the entire door into the frame. So the door wouldn't open or close. And I thought for a split second that I was free, like, or mm -hmm. that I was okay. Like I'd be just like locked in this little stall. And if he tried to come in, I could just like step on his head or something. Right. It was only about one or two seconds before he got in the stall too. He came under the stall wall the same way I did. And my heart just sunk. He got on top of me and just, he was punching me in the face and I was just starting to lose hope. And I reached my arms up like behind the jammed door. And I was able to pull myself out from under him and get to on the other side of that door. And I did a burpee, basically. There is and so much life value for burpees here. <laughs> I know, like everyone who has a personal trainer hates me and all personal trainers are like, thank you. <laughs> I still hate burpees, though. But there is value into being able to get yeah, to your feet to get quickly. on off the ground quickly. Yep. Yeah. And as I jumped up, I started to pass out and I thought I flashed forward to my life of what it would be like to try to get over this. If, you know, I was like, this is it. He's going to, you know, violate me on this disgusting in this disgusting place, this, you know, concrete floor, steel toilets. It looks like a prison cell in there. It does. I had sand in my teeth. And then I heard a voice in my head and it's the same voice that I've heard when I'm like 0.2 from the finish line of a half marathon, you know, like when you just don't think you have it in you anymore. And it said, come on, Cal, you've got this girl, hang in there. You are almost out of this. And I just got one more surge and I got, you know, to the top of just like stood all the way up and I lunged for the door and swung the door open and got out. And there were three people out there who hadn't called 911, who hadn't opened. Did yes. they not hear what was going on? That was the first thing out of my mouth. The language was more colorful. But I said, could you not, you know, blank bleep hear me? <laughs> right. And I was like spitting blood. And I was like still in this like just savage moat. Totally. And now to their defense, like one was an older lady. She was the one who I ran by who had the dog. And then like there were two young girls. They were like 14. And I can imagine it was terrifying. Right. I know it was terrifying for them. So one of the girls called 911. And amazingly, I was able to, I've always been impressed when people have like can describe the perpetrator to 911 because I don't feel like I pay attention. Mm. But I was able to describe everything from like everything that he was wearing and his height and everything. Although I will say, I thought he was a lot bigger than he actually was oh, <laughs> in my mind. He was just like this Huge. gigantic monster. Yeah. And in real life, he was like, like 5'11 and I don't know, 140 pounds or something. Oh, wow. You know, kind of like your typical, like crazy, crazy guy street kind of spindly, I mean, he was yeah. living in a tent down at Golden Garden. Not well nourished, so, possibly under the influence, like not, yeah, yeah. he's not super hearty. <laughs> yeah. And then I 
texted. And you, um, you got him locked in there. Is that right? You got him. Yeah. So how did you yeah. lock him so, in the bathroom? Well, he never actually got out of the stall. But, oh, okay. I mean, he technically could have. I think at this point, I don't really like to think about what he was thinking, but maybe it was like he knew it was over or something. Yeah. But there was there's a latch on the outside of the bathroom door like that locks with a, a master lock you know, like a locker lock. Right. And a guy came by and saw that I was just bleeding profusely out of my face. And he was like, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I, I think I'm okay. Do you have a carabiner? And he had a beard and a backpack. And he was like, yes. Oh my gosh. And Seattle, like any, most dudes in Seattle have carabiners. <laughs> totally. Like, this guy has a carabiner. And so we carabinered the latch. Um, oh my gosh. It was really weird because he never tried to get out. That's so interesting. Yeah. And when the cops got there, they actually had to break down the door. And I was still pissed when, like, I was waiting outside the bathroom for him to come out because I was not done, like, telling him. So what did you say? What did you say to him when they brought him out? Once I saw him, I just kind of got a sick feeling and... Yeah, I just went with the cop to give the police report mm-hmm. and the Seattle police were wonderful. And when the fire department came, it was like October through December of the firefighters calendar. Like they <laughs> were the most attractive <laughs> firefighters in Seattle. And I had texted my boyfriend at the time and he was on his way. And I was, in my mind, I was like, ah, oh, too bad that he's on his way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so funny. So, yeah, it was, they, they were great. They were oh, great. Good. But yeah, yeah. And it's just like, it's so important, I think, in these situations to, to remember as much detail as you can, you know, because it likely could have happened. You know, what if he had gotten away? Yeah. Then it's on, you know, me to remember everything. And so, yeah, I realized now in, in like my everyday life, I pay a lot closer attention to potential things in case it turns into something. But Yeah. So since then, it's just been, yeah, I mean, immediately after I got medical attention, I wanted to run. I had six more miles left. I was in shock, but I wanted to get in the rest of my run. But the firefighter was like, you need stitches in your head. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And I was like, okay, blonde, blue height, blue eyed, (laughs) tattooed fireman. I'll listen to you. <laughs> I'll let you drive me to the hospital. Yeah, I accept. Oh, man. This episode is brought to you by Seed. Probiotics are most effective when they make it to your colon alive. That's why Seed developed a patented two-in-one capsule that safeguards viability of its DSO-1 daily symbiotic through digestion to deliver the maximum dose to your colon. No refrigeration necessary. Visit seed.com slash Spotify and use code Spotify25 to get 25% off your first month. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, 
tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. So did you find yourself, you tell that story with so much accuracy and also so much composure and I'm sure I know you've had a lot of practice telling the story now over the course of the last year, but did you find yourself like immediately reliving it and putting all those pieces together so that you could have that whole story kind of in your like survival arsenal after it happened? Yeah. I mean, even when I was talking to the police after, like, it's really jarring to be in a fight. It takes you a minute to put the pieces together because you're being hit in the head and everything happens very quickly. I felt like I was in there for 45 minutes. I mean, in reality, it was probably, I don't know, less than six, I mean, would be my best guess. Yeah. But it feels like forever. And then the way that you perceive space is also very different. Like, I couldn't believe how small that bathroom was when I went back in there. I felt like I was in a room. And it's very small. Yeah. <laughs> but your brain, when you're in that survival mode, yeah, things change. So yeah, you know, I've been asked a lot about like, what survival moves did you use from the self-defense class to save yourself? And it's like, well, (laughs) you know, so I kind of broke down exactly what happened so that I could extract those things. But self-defense isn't really about like karate chops and martial arts. It's primarily about awareness, but also about how you respond in a crisis. Right. And perseverance, I think, is a huge piece of it. Totally. You just keep fighting. You don't quit. Yeah. Failure is just not an option. And it's so much like running a marathon, (laughs) like that resilience, that mental fortitude and that refusal to quit, even though your body is like, I'm done. Like, I just want to go to sleep. Like, I just want this to be over. Like, you just have to find it in you to keep fighting. And every time you get through adversity, you know, it makes you stronger and it builds that resilience. So the next time you're in a situation, you know that you have that fight in you. And even the act of having like sand in my teeth, grit, like literal grit, it just speaks so much to what I feel about the situation, which is just grit like just you know like those movies where you know it's like a plane crash and someone's doesn't have a leg and they're you know walking down the beach looking for their suitcase you know? <laughs> right right, right. <laughs> yeah like um, you can't even notice yeah the physical pain or yeah the, you can't there's so much that you can't take in when you're just like you said when you're in the grit and the survival part yeah of it. And your body protects you against that. And I mean, I've been asked, like, does it hurt to be punched in the face? And it's like, when your adrenaline does that, no. and, you know, it's like, you don't feel I, I was running with Beth Baker's group with running evolution, like shortly after. And I was talking about it. And I said, I don't know if you've ever experienced an adrenaline rush. And the woman said, well, I've given birth. And I was like, yes, okay. So like, if you've given birth, you know what it is like to have your body flooded with adrenaline and to be able to rise above 
pain because there's something more important going on and right. it's survival. Totally. Totally. I actually thought of birth when you were talking about it too. I mean, cause there's like <laughs> another example where you don't give up, like you just keep going until it's right. done. And in that situation you have no choice. And, so. and in my situation, I had no choice. Yeah. I mean, I felt the same way I felt. And, but I also felt that way when I ran the marathon. It's like, yeah. I'm not going to come 24 miles to quit. To not do, yeah. <laughs> so that's an interesting point. So I used to work in a psychiatric hospital and I worked there for seven years and I worked with children. Um, people have really different instincts when being attacked. And I've been attacked mm -hmm. by children, which it sounds a little laughable, but I've been attacked by children no. and completely like collapsed and not mm -hmm. fought back. And I have wondered... And now I've heard that, like, I've heard kind of the upgraded version of fight and flight being natural instincts mm -hmm. that there's fight, flight, freeze and appease. And I am someone mm -hmm. who has frozen, but I've also been in the environment of a hospital where I had a team of people around me that could, I knew would at some point come to my rescue, which I think mm -hmm. is different than your situation. But I think that, yeah, because I was the first time I was attacked and a girl was beating me up in the middle of a hallway, trying to pull my hair out. I literally just like collapsed on the floor in a ball and was like, okay, well, eventually mm -hmm. someone's going to come out and see me. And later I was like, what the hell is wrong with me? Like, how did I just endure that? That is not who I am. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that you say in the bathroom, you so clearly felt like you had no other choice than to get out. And I wonder if that's something that everyone experiences or if some people, and this is not like a judgment on one way or the other, but if mm -hmm. some people's just instinctually would just be in it and not feel like they had the fight in them to get out. You know, I've read a lot about trauma and attacks and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And really everyone's first reaction is to freeze, including okay. mine, because okay. your brain has to interpret what is going on okay. and what is your best move at this point. Even in nature, I mean, there is nothing wrong with freezing. And to anyone who has been in a horrific situation and has frozen and has not fought, they did not do anything wrong. Right. Your body is telling you what to do and is gauging the situation. If I had been attacked by a guy the size of a refrigerator, I might have had a different response. Yeah, yeah. Your body kind of knows. Even in nature, when gazelle is being attacked by a lion and... I don't even know if that's, those are the right animals, but <laughs> when they know that they're going to lose and that the jaws are coming down, they freeze. And it's like, almost like it's an acceptance mm -hmm. of what is going to make this the path of least resistance for what is going to happen. And there's just, however you respond is the right way to respond. I think it's very valuable to have some tools in your back pocket and to imagine those situations. Yes. So many people say, I don't even want to think about it. And this is probably a bit controversial to say, but they think that especially about their kids. I don't even want to imagine what could happen to my kids. Well, if you're not imagining it, then you're not prepared for it. Right. Right. I totally agree. And it, yeah. So, well, this was my biggest nightmare. So I had imagined this situation. You I, have. I, oh, interesting. <laughs> in my mind, I always said, what if I'm six miles into a run and I'm too tired to fight back? I always thought that would happen. And it was four miles, yeah. but I was not too tired to fight back. And neither will anyone who's listening who is afraid. Don't worry about not having the energy. You'll get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So shortly after this happened, and I think this happened all over Seattle, so this is not to toot my own horn, but so I own a gym on Queen Anne and I hosted a self-defense class. And I'm going to link to the place that did our training because it was amazing. And it was the, a couple of women from Seven Stars Women's Kung Fu came in and they did a self-defense class for my gym members. And this was like a direct response to reading your story. Mm-hmm. And I reached out to Beth Baker and I was like, oh my gosh, she was doing one as well with her running group. And I was like, I need to mm-hmm. do this too at the gym. And she gave me some contacts. And so I did this at the gym and I want to just kind of reiterate some of the points that you've made that were surprising to me and that I had not considered before. One of the biggest things they talked about in that self-defense class was your voice is a weapon. And I love like one of the first things you mentioned is that you immediately started screaming at him and also like with confidence, not like, please don't, please don't. But like, mm-hmm. no, like I'm in charge right here. This is not happening. Right. And they talk a lot about using your voice, being super loud so that someone will hear you and come help you, first of all, but also just to demonstrate strength, power, confidence, domination, all those kinds of things. And I think that's really powerful that you want to always, even though you obviously are terrified, you want to always verbally sound very confident. So that was a big lesson for me, especially as someone who was totally the apologizer, like, oh, I'm so sorry you're trying to rape me Mm -hmm. in the bathroom. Did you want to like wipe your hands first? Right, right. Go ahead. You know, I that. think it also helps you manifest courage. Like yes. when that came out of me, at first I was trying to scare him, and then I was like, I became that person totally. who I was kind of fronting to be, and I became that like savage animal that was going to kill him. Right. And yeah, it like, and they do that in martial arts too. Like, hiya, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that like build something from your diet that helps you to exert force from your diaphragm and push out through your limbs. Right, right. They also talked about in that class about hard surfaces. So like kicking Mm -hmm. kneecaps, breaking kneecaps, like using your foot to break someone else's kneecaps, which I think is an amazing tactic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Blows to the head, like you mentioned, and then gouging the eyes, which I feel like... Mm -hmm. In the moment, that seems so disgusting to me. But when you're in the yeah. moment, like that's what you're going to do. And that that is actually better than biting or where you're possibly sharing bodily fluids. Yeah, I was shocked. by. I always thought I could never gouge someone's eyes. Now, I didn't do the like where you put your thumbs in their eye mm-hmm. sockets. like Which is the <laughs> recommendation. Like one thumb <laughs> right. in each eye and squeeze as hard as you can. <laughs> yes, which and I wasn't really going through options, you know, but right, right. <laughs> I just saw an opportunity. And when I did that, like his face started bleeding and he like grim, like made a face like I could tell it hurt. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that was really effective. I mean, it worked <laughs> more of that. And I was like, it totally like made me feel like, OK, this is working. I can maybe do this. And yeah. And part of the reason I was waiting outside the bathroom at the end is I wanted to see what kind of damage I had done. And I was like, I mean, I don't know if you've seen his after mugshot, but oh, I have. I we will have it out. We will link up in the show notes to your Instagram because I know you have all the pictures over there and it's your after shot and his after shot. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You did some damage. So. <laughs> well, I had the firefighter to, you know, glue my head shut. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? laughing in the face of motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. 
I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, You'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. So tell us how that day, that event, changed the course of your life and over the last year. It wasn't, I think there's things that happened immediately. And again, through stalking you over the last Mm -hmm. year, there's things that have happened over the course of a year. Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, you know, I was training for a marathon that day and I had been training for a marathon for like two years, just getting set back with injuries. And it's really quite difficult. It is. (laughs) And like, after that, I felt like I have no now I have to do this. Like I was so determined not to let this guy take anything from me. And so running the marathon, which I did in October with my mom was a huge milestone that, you know, now I'm a marathoner and a year ago I wasn't. And not only that, but I felt like it really just helped me move forward with my recovery. I went to therapy and I cannot say enough about my employer real self. And they're the ones who actually brought the self-defense class to the workplace where I took the class three weeks before this happened. But they were amazing with the way that they let me recover and supported me and gave me time and gave me space and modified my role to essentially, I mean, for a while there, I was just kind of practicing being around people again and just being in the office and being around my friends for a few hours a day. And I mean, to reintegrate and just, it was hard. Mm -hmm. And my situations may be a little unique because of the media coverage. I mean, I did like 28 days of straight interviews after the assault. And then I, I reached a point when it was like, okay, like I feel strongly compelled by this message about the importance of prioritizing your life and taking self-defense. But I also became aware that I had not been caring for myself. Mm -hmm. And so that became a focus. And I really just learned to like, be easy on myself and give myself a break every once in a while and realize that I don't have to save the world. And that I did the thing I was supposed to do. And it started a lot of really important conversations that have global reach, which is awesome. And so overall, I feel like this is my calling. 
I'm just like I learned to follow my instincts. That's what my instincts tell me is the right thing to do. And so I've just tried to be an advocate and let women know, like, yes, there are things in life that you're afraid of, but instead of hoping those things don't happen and spending your life indoors on a treadmill, which has been suggested to me. Oh my gosh. Yes. You know, learn how to defend yourself. And that doesn't always mean running with a weapon, but you get so much out of a self-defense class. Like Mm -hmm. for you, did you leave that class like feeling more empowered? (laughs) Yes, that. And also literally every time I go running now, because I'm still running in the semi, like I run at like 7-ish a.m., which is about as late Mm -hmm. as I can go. And it's still, it's dark at 7 a.m. in Seattle right now. Yeah, yeah. I am constantly thinking about, okay, if it happened right now, here's what I would do. And if it happened right now, and I would literally, if I think about it for long enough, I start getting surges of adrenaline where I'm like, bring it. Like, where is the guy in the bushes? Let's do this. Like, it's weird. So that class really, that class really taught me, they had us practice a bunch of things and they had us practice using our voice and doing a bunch of things that were felt a little bit weird. And it's a group of 30 women screaming, yeah, no, not today. Like all these things. It's uncomfortable for people who are not extremely extroverted, Mm -hmm. but practicing that made me feel so confident that I could do it someday. Yeah. Which is really powerful. It's muscle memory too. And, you know, even the screaming part. And when I was in the fight, when I flashed back to the self-defense, I didn't flash back to the class. I flashed back to that night when I was showing the boyfriend's house Mm -hmm. and I was showing him and I was showing his daughters what I learned, like about how to strike and how to use your voice. And I was telling the girls like how to assert yourself when someone is you know, being inappropriate, getting in your space or doing something that makes you uncomfortable, how to say no and how to scream and how to hit with the side of your hand in their face if you have to when it's appropriate. And that's what I remembered. And that's how I remembered like the hard bones to soft, fleshy places. And so it's not just going to one self-defense class and thinking that you're set. It's like, go out and share that information, practice and make it part of your ongoing practice. Like when you go in for your Botox, go in for your self-defense refresher. (laughs) Totally. That's funny. I was actually thinking that the other day while I was running, I was thinking like, okay, it's been almost a year since I took that class. I feel like I should go do it again because I was so good about like running through moves in my head when I was running for a Mm -hmm. while. And now I'm like, I don't remember them as specifically. <laughs> so I, need, yeah. I think I think so I totally agree with what you're saying. It's like CPR class. Like you have to go back right. and get refresher because if you're not using it, there's just kind of smaller details that might be really really helpful in that situation if you ever need them. Yeah. The place that I took the class Fighting Chance Seattle, they've started offering a refresher course, which I think is awesome because it's like you don't want to do the exact same thing again, but you want to practice and learn something maybe new. Right. What have been some of the unexpected gifts of your trauma? Well, I think, I mean, I went to Gonzaga and got my degree in speech communication. I went to Gonzaga too. You did? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I was always like, not exactly sure what I would do with a speech degree. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can do anything. I think learning how to communicate is applicable in every single career, but it's like, wow, I've always kind of wanted to inspire people and to motivate. And now I, but I never really knew what I wanted to say. And now I feel like I have a message. Also prior to, and I didn't really prepare. I don't know if you know this, but prior to the assault, I had almost, well, 
I had about a year and a half of sobriety. And so I had been through kind of that, I mean, a different type of recovery. And after this happened, it was... I mean, in a way, it was a test, right? Like, which oh way gosh, are you going to go? Like the ultimate test. <laughs> yeah, you know. And I was listening to your interview with Andrea Owen, and oh, yeah. she was touching on like, what would I wonder? You know, what thing would have to happen to make me consider that? And you know, there I could just kind of see this ghost of myself in my apartment that was going back to drinking and making this all go away, which was very appealing. Oh, sure. um, but. I also knew that it would be really hard to come back from that. And just like, I don't want to quit at mile 24 of a marathon because I don't want to train for a marathon again. Like I didn't want to start my recovery over, but I also had all these tools from going through recovery that I knew like the first 30 days are going to suck. You're going to cry. It's going to feel like it's never going to end. People are going to tell you it's going to get better, but it doesn't feel that way. Like all these things were true in my trauma recovery that were true in my sobriety. So I felt like I had some foundation for that. Being able to just, it's so overwhelming the women who have been touched and moved and inspired by my story and knowing that I've helped people with their own lives or to confront a trauma that has happened to them that they haven't talked about and inspired them to talk to somebody about it because I can't imagine how lonely that is and how crushing that is. And when my story came out before I was identified, it was like in the Seattle Times and it was like Ballard woman gets punched in head five times by allegedly in park bathroom. And I was like, whoa, like this is not (laughs) exactly the full story, right? And so being able to tell the story and inspire women to fight back, not just in a violent situation, but standing up for yourself in your everyday life, when you're being talked over in a meeting, when you feel like you're apologizing for everything, when you don't know how to say just no, even to your friends and family, like finding that courage within yourself and knowing the strength that lives within you and just, you know, being able to do the thing that you're afraid of and face it. I think just knowing that I've helped women walk through the world more confidently and more empowered. And that's what excites me. And that's what keeps me going, even though it can be really emotionally kind of a lot to do for at times. Oh, my gosh, I'm sure. I'm sure there's. (laughs) So my next question was going to be, where are you at in your recovery today? And I guess as part of that, do what is it like to do something like this to tell the story again today, like to relive it routinely? Is that helpful? Or does it sometimes cause like regression in recovery? Preparing to talk about it is the hardest part. Okay. And that's what causes the most anxiety and it causes PTSD. Mm. So I did EMDR therapy, which is like eye movement desensitization. I never remember what the R stands for, but basically it's a method where that you relive the experience over and over and over and over like in okay. one session, like small parts of the experience, the things you have flashbacks about. Okay. So for me, it was turning around and seeing him or when I made his face bleed, like there are these flashes of the worst parts of it. Yeah. And through this technique of reliving it and like the way that the therapist leads you through these eye movements helps to fade the edges of the memories so that they're not so 
physiologically disruptive. So I went through, and it's very, very effective for people who have been through a one-time trauma and also effective for longer-term trauma, but especially for one time. And it's so much like grief where you think you're doing great. (laughs) And then not so much. (laughs) And then it just boomerangs and completely takes you out at the knees. But now that I know to expect that, it's not as bad. But yeah, I mean, I'll be doing really well. And then it'll just come back. And a lot of that coincides with the legal proceedings, because, you know, things kind of come and go. And as I have to think about him more, mm-hmm. that is the most upsetting part to me, because it's hard for me to even acknowledge like the human that he's human. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know that probably just sounds terrible, but no, that, um, I think that totally makes sense. <laughs> so yeah, it comes and goes. And even with like my public kind of the to the degree that I am out in the public, I just have to kind of monitor that where sometimes I put myself out there too much and I need to reel it back in Mm -hmm. because it causes, you know, it helps people to come out with their stories. And sometimes I feel personally responsible for that, like Mm -hmm. where they want to, where when they're sharing something very personal and traumatic with me, it can be a lot to carry. And so I just really pay attention to how I'm doing, how I'm feeling. Is this impacting other parts of my life, like my work that are causing me to lose focus or lose sleep? Mm -hmm. I have nightmares and I hate the sound of stall doors hitting walls. It gives me PTSD. But it's also empowering once I'm doing it. Like, I'm really enjoying our conversation right now. And, good, um, good. And I'm doing a runway poetry slam with Wazelle this weekend. So oh I've been writing what I'm going to say. And, like, the process of writing it is when I relive it. But when I'm up there on stage and I'm talking about it, to me, it's like doing service. It's like yeah. that is what I'm giving that hopefully will resonate and help someone else who's hearing it. What do you want other women to know? And actually, before I ask this question, I want to compliment you on the way I've seen you do this. I think that when you endure trauma, you have the opportunity to change the outcome and you can write whatever ending of that story you want to write. And prior to us recording today, I had mentioned to you that like you did not let the story end that day, Mm -hmm. which... I think many people would have. It's scary to tell it over and over again on media platforms. Mm -hmm. So what do you want to tell other women about enduring trauma and writing the endings to their traumatic stories and the power that they have in that? So I'm just going to talk about the word victim for a moment. Being a victim does not mean you lost Mm -hmm. or won. The difference between being a victim and being a survivor is how you respond It's not about how you fought the fight. It's not about whether you won or lost. It's about what you're going to do with that. And to me, being a survivor is not letting what happened to you stop you, not getting stuck in that, Mm -hmm. but being able to put one foot in front of the other and to keep moving forward. That is what survival is to me. And we have that choice. Mm -hmm. And the key to that is having a support network. Like for me, it's been, I mean, primarily my mom has been awesome, but also, you know, who else is awesome is moms. When I, after I went through this, 
you know, lots of people were like, Kelly, tell me what can I do? What do you need? And when someone goes through that, you don't really know what you need. (laughs) (laughs) You have no idea. Like people just need to put things on your doorstep and you can take them as you need them. (laughs) Exactly. No, that is exactly it. It's like, you don't want to go to the grocery store, but you should eat, you know? Right. And the girls who I worked with, it was the moms who came to my house. They did my dishes. They picked up my living room because you you can't really function. They made sure that, you know, they helped me answer emails from people who just, it was too overwhelming for me to like even be thanked or to be called a badass or, you know, to inspire. I wasn't ready for how it would impact other people. And they helped me to kind of sort through those things. I feel like I've gotten so far from your question. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) So the question was, what do you want women to know about enduring trauma and writing the endings to their stories? Yeah. Which you've covered a ton of. Yeah, you write the ending. You decide. It's like if your plane is going down, right? You can either go into the crash position or you can put on your oxygen mask and start saving other people. And that's what flips the mental switch from being a victim to being a rescuer or a survivor. It's like, you don't have to just save yourself, but you can save yourself and help other people. And that is, that is what makes your story more than you. And when you can do good with it. And that's what I'm trying to do. Totally. I would also add that part of what I see you demonstrating in being a survivor is also like everything I would say about being a warrior in terms of Mm -hmm. being like relentless with your messaging, relentless with your passion about it. Even though you, like you said, you need to take time to step back at times, but you have just like, it's changed the course of your life and the way that you want to support other people Mm -hmm. in the world, which is really, really powerful. Thank you. Okay. So first of all, thank you so much for sharing all this and sharing so openly and the details are really important. So I'm just so grateful for everything that you shared. I know that the things you talked about today will impact other people, other people who have been through similar situations, and it will also impact women who have not yet been confronted with a situation Mm. like this, but will at some point, and this might change the course of action that they take. So this is big, powerful stuff. And I'm so grateful that you shared it here. Can you tell us, thank you, can you tell us where we can find you, what you're up to, anything you want to share with us or where we can, you know, where other people can stalk you like I do? Yeah, absolutely. I am on Instagram, run Kiwi run, and you can find photos of from the day of the event to kind of what I've been up to since I am on Facebook at N-T-M-F, like not today, my friend. <laughs> In, uh, <laughs> or less friendly versions of that. <laughs> and that's where I post kind of um, whenever I have like a good safety tip or if I'm doing a public appearance. And I'm on Twitter on Run Kiwi Run too. And I have my employer, Real Self, will be doing a public event around, I believe it will be February 28th is right now what the date is. And we're going to do an event around empowerment and Fighting Chance Seattle will be there too with self-defense. So that's going to be an awesome way to commemorate the anniversary of this. And yeah, if there's any way that I can, you know, help anyone, (laughs) they can reach me through those platforms or they can email me at kelly at not today 
mf.com. Nice. <laughs> oh, and I have a website. Yes, I was going to just give your website a shout out <laughs> since you didn't mention it. Yeah, and you have yeah. merchandise over there. So all the links that we're, that we're throwing out right here will be in the show notes. And I will include yeah. Fighting Chance Seattle and Seven Stars Women's Kung Fu for people who are interested in awesome. getting to a class. But yes, you have a website with merchandise, which I have bought. So tell people about that. Oh, cute. Not today, mf.com. And yeah, I've got t-shirts that say a censored version of, mm. of the thing. And it has the design on it. And a lot of people don't actually know this, but the design on it is my GPS from the attack. And that is taken right off the screenshot of my Garmin because I had the clock ticking that whole time. So, and that was on my Instagram photo too. And on the back of that t-shirt are the four tips that I learned in self-defense that ultimately led to my survival. So, so great. And the picture that you're referring to, I want everyone to go check out this picture because if they go to your Instagram and you'll see it's like a black spot with just red lines everywhere. And that's where your Garmin went all around this ba- this tiny yeah. little bathroom that felt huge to you, but it was this tiny little bathroom. And it speaks to how many times you like moved, jumped, scattered yourself mm-hmm. across back and forth. It's one of the most powerful images I've seen of anything in a very long time. I actually got one of your t-shirts for myself and then I had a friend going through, she's actually still going through a pretty serious cancer fight. And so Mm -hmm. I got her one and just kind of as an idea for people, I think that there's so many times in our lives as women where we need to really like stand up and own that we will be the warrior. We will be the survivor. Like there is no negotiating that. And so I got her this shirt and she has two little kids and I was like, okay, I did not get her the edited one. So it's like <laughs> not today MRF or totally spelled out. And I was like, I understand your kids can't see this. So I want you to put it under whatever you wear to chemo. So it's close awesome. to your heart. And so it was a really cool gift to give to her. And I just thought yeah. there's, there's a lot of situations where you don't know what to give to someone and they're going through something hard. Get them that t-shirt. <laughs> Yeah. And also I've had a lot of moms kind of express the concern around that. So I did just come out too with coffee mugs that just say not today with the GPS design on there. And I really like it for my Monday morning coffee mug. (laughs) Like don't talk to me until I've had (laughs) it. Totally. That's perfect. I love it. Oh, this has been so great, Kelly. I so appreciate you being here. And I'm really, like I said, I'm just really grateful for you for sharing your stories. I know that your story will help other women in ways that just cannot be measured. So thank you so much. It's an absolute honor. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with Kelly and me today in the Shameless Mom Academy. I appreciate you sticking around for the story and participating in this by sharing the story. I really urge you to share the story because I very firmly believe that someone's life, many women's lives potentially, will be changed, impacted, and maybe saved in multiple different ways by spreading the word of Kelly's story. So please share this episode. You can screenshot the episode from your phone and then share it. You can tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Instagram or Facebook. You can also go to shamelessmom.com and click on episode 210 with Kelly Heron to get a direct link to the show to share out. Whether you share on social media, you share via email, via personal messaging, however you want to share is appropriate. I understand that sometimes sharing this kind of content can be uncomfortable and vulnerable, but please do share. Know that these stories need to be told because this is how women will learn how to save themselves and how women will learn how to rewrite the endings of their stories if they have been a victim of a situation like this in the past. So I think it's crucial that this story gets out and the word gets spread, and I really appreciate your 
help with that. That said, remember in the show notes, I do have links to everything that Kelly mentioned in terms of resources. So if you want to connect with Kelly, you can do that. If you go to shamelessmom.com, click on episode 210 connections with Kelly there. If you want to follow her on social media, her website will be there. If you want to get some of her cool merchandise, she has mugs and t-shirts and all sorts of cool things that say not today, MRFR. Some of them are edited. Some of them are not. She also on that page, I have links for where she took her self-defense class. I have a link to seven star women's Kung Fu, which is the people that came to my gym to host self-defense. So those are both Seattle contacts. If you're not in Seattle, of course, you can find self-defense classes in your city. If that sounds scary and overwhelming, another place to start would be with an online self-defense course. And I actually have a friend, Jeff McMahon, who has an online self-defense course. And you can get connected to that if you go to the link over in the show notes as well. And with that link, that will take you to Jeff's page where you can actually download his women's empowerment safety course that will talk specifically about how to protect yourself from sexual assault specific self-defense tactics and maneuvers to get away from someone when they're invading your personal space, methods for home safety so that you can feel safe in your home, and also methods and tips around public safety so that you can walk around and feel safe in public, what to keep in your purse, what to keep in your vehicle in terms of being able to better protect yourself in public places. So lots of great resources over on the website today. So make sure you head over to shamelessmom.com and click on episode 210 with Kelly Heron to get those resources. Thank you for spending time with us. Thank you for sharing this episode. I appreciate you being here. If this is your first time listening to the Shameless Mom Academy, know that we are here twice a week, every Monday and Wednesday, getting all sorts of shameless on you. Today, we were especially shameless. So I appreciate being able to do that with you. And it really, it's been an honor to participate in this conversation with Kelly. Really, really so much appreciate her sharing everything that she shared. If this is your first time listening, come back again on Monday. Join us again. We might be a little more lighthearted. We're not always into super serious stories, but we do cover a lot of shameless content on a lot of shameless topics. So you can always walk away with some practical tips that you can apply in your life right away. So you can subscribe to the show if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. You can also leave a review while you're there. Click on the subscribe button, click on the write a review button, and you'll get yourself all set up to get all episodes as they are released. Leave a little review, share the love. And next time we will dive into more hot topics and get a little bit more shameless in what we're doing. Have a fantastic day. And no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Real truth alert. Pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were. But the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.